All right, everybody's got a favorite kind of story, right? Um, any, anybody in the room like sports stories or sports movies? Okay, a handful of you. Uh, I love those. Uh, I've, I've, I believe that our, our student pastor, Jack Hare, likes underdog stories. <laughs> because in two weeks, he is going to be a huge underdog, right? And he's going down, baby. <laughs> We'll talk more about that in a little bit. Um, but everybody loves a good story. Um, you know, the Bible describes God in many different ways and gives him different titles. Uh, but one of the ways it describes God, a few different verses that we see, um, and depending on which English translation you look at, it uses the word author. Uh, and, and Hebrews 2, it, it describes him as the author of salvation. Okay, so he is the one who initiates and, cr and creates and starts that process. Uh, he, he's the author, in Hebrews 12, it says he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Again, he initiates, he, is the, he begins that work. And then in Acts 3, I love this, it calls him the author of life, the author of life. And so God, our creator, is, is an author, and through the ages, he, he's been writing a story He's been writing this incredible redemptive story, or what I would call the gospel story. And you know what? It is a story that he is still in the process of writing, and it's a story that he's calling us up into. Okay? And so as we talk about putting first things first as followers of Jesus and as the church, uh, what we need to know is we need to, first of all, we need to know the gospel story. Okay, so I want to spend a few minutes talking about this because sometimes what happens in this Christian life is we look at this as, as a, a decision we make. We look at it as an event we attend on a Sunday or a Saturday, and that's kind of the extent of, of, of this Christian life. But what I want to do this morning is we talk about putting fake or an event that we attend or something that we participate in. This is, this is a, a story that God, the God of the universe, is writing and inviting us into. And I would call it a, a, a grand narrative. It is the ultimate story. And, and all the stories or genres of stories that you talked about or that you love, they all trace their roots back to the one ultimate story of God. And so let me kind of take some of those genres that we talked about, and I want to show you how all of these types of stories trace themselves back to this gospel story, okay? So action, uh, action stories. How many of you like a good action movie or a good action film, okay, or story? Uh, I love action. Think, think about the gospel story, all right? The ultimate action story where the God of heaven comes on a rescue mission behind enemy lines to come save you and I from the kingdom of darkness, and to deliver us into the kingdom of his dear son. Man, it's full of action. Romance. How many of you love romance stories or novels or books or what I would call the fake romance stories, Hallmark movies, right? <laughs> okay. Um, the ultimate romance, the ultimate love story where you have literally gave up everything, who went all, all out, gave up his own life to show his love for us. A God who desires our deepest affection. 
God, Jesus, who came to us and literally came to make us his bride, the church, his bride. And what you see at the end of the story, the story ends with us, the church, the bride of Christ, being united to our, our bridegroom, Jesus, and there is a marriage supper celebration, and we get to spend eternity with the one who loves us. Amen? What a romance story. This, they all trace their roots back to God, who is the lover of our souls. How many of you love a, a good comedy? How many of you like to laugh? I love to laugh, all right? Now, this is, this is a pretty easy one. Look around. Look at the cast of characters that God has assembled, right? The people that God has chosen to share this good news of his love for us. Um, man, it is, it, is, it is hilarious, right, that God would choose to use us. In fact, 1 Corinthians 1 says that he doesn't use the mighty, he doesn't use the noble, he uses the weak and the despised and the lowly to share this message. You know, when I think back to, to young Andrew, a shy kid who was so fearful of being in front of people, right? And I, every time I get up to speak, I go, God, how did you do that with this nerdy little kid who was shy and introverted, and now you use me literally to communicate your message in front of people every week? This is hilarious, you know, that God, you would choose to do that. Man, comedy. How many of you like a good drama? Any of you like dramatic? I know some of you like drama, all right? I've seen your Facebook posts. Um, <laughs> drama. Um, think of the... <laughs> How do I recover from that one, all right? <laughs> Think of the drama of the gospel, the ultimate life and death drama. Man, it's, it is serious business. The gospel touches the deepest issues of our heart and our soul. Literally, life and death and heaven and hell are in the balance. How many of you, I'm afraid to ask this question, how many of you like a horror movie? Okay, a handful of you freaks. <laughs> this, this is proof to me that, that God like, uses all kinds of different stories, right? Because I'm like, why would I pay to be entertained by being scared, like out of my pants? You know, like, no, it's not entertaining to me. Um, but, and some of you are like, okay, how does this connect to the gospel story? All right, I may be stretching all this, right? But to the Son of God, to pay for the sins of humankind the mocking and the beating and the crucifixion. I mean, honestly, there's no other word to describe what Jesus went through for you and for, I, for me than horrifying. But it's because of his love for us, the sin that, that God looks upon that separates us from him, man, it breaks his heart. It's horrifying that he would go to such lengths to rescue us. Man, and the story, it's, it's the, the best kind of stories are, you know, like, anybody of you like the, the Princess Bride? Any, any Princess Bride fans in the room? Um, you know, this, the, that, that's the kind of story that I love, that it's like, you know, you've got this prince who's going after his love and res, risking his life, and he's fighting the enemy, and, and the gospel story is literally this, this prince warrior who, who man, he, he comes and fights off the dragon to win the love of his life. This is the story of the gospel. 
And it's an incredible story that God is calling us up into. Man, God doesn't just call us to like come to church and to listen to some guy talk and to do a bunch of religious ritual things. No, this story, it's so much bigger than, than sometimes we, we think and give it credit for. Here's one of the things I want to do this morning. Maybe you, you got one of these cards as you walked in the room, um, this kind of gospel conversation. It's called The Story, all right? Um, and, and what I love about this, uh, and I'm going to show you a video here in just a second to explain this, but when I think of, when I think of the big story of the Bible, okay, because here's the deal when it comes to the scriptures, okay, there's a lot of words in this book. Anybody ever noticed that? A lot of words, there's a lot of chapters and and. and smaller books within this larger book. Um, the Bible has over 40 human authors that God used to pen the words of this book. But with every book and every chapter, there's, there's a lot of stories, right? And sometimes we think there's just all this whole collection of stories and characters, and it spans over a thousand years of time and multiple continents, and there's all this stuff going on here. But one of the things that we, we often miss or, or, or don't notice is that across all those authors and all those years and all these stories, behind all of that is one author, God, who is writing one, one connected story. Okay, and, and the way that I like to think of that uh, is in these four kind of parts, all right? And so what you'll see uh, on the screen here and then all four parts, it's creation, the fall, rescue, and restoration. Creation, fall, rescue, restoration. So what I'm going to do for the next few minutes is I want to show you this six-minute video that kind of walks through this, okay? So turn your attention to the screens and let's watch this. There is only one story that answers life's most essential questions and gives a lasting sense of purpose and meaning. It's the story that inspires all other stories. It's the true story that defines every one of us. This is that story. How did it all begin? Like all stories, this one begins in the beginning with the author, who is God. He spoke everything into being. With a word, galaxies appeared with stars and planets. Earth was designed for life to flourish. Everything God made was gloriously good and breathtakingly perfect. The highlight of God's creation was the first man and woman, Adam and Eve. God entrusted everything he created to his beloved children, giving just one rule. They were not to eat fruit from a specific tree. They lived in loving obedience, worshiping God as their heavenly. Considering our world today, its obvious perfect peace didn't last. Turmoil, war, sickness, troubles. We each have our share. What went wrong? It started when a fallen angel named Satan grew jealous of God and determined to ruin the perfection of creation. Satan took the form of a serpent and enticed Adam and Eve to question God's goodness and rebel against his one rule. In disobedience, they ate the fruit and peace unraveled, ushering in sin and death, which still plagues us today. If we are honest, we are very much like Adam and Eve. We all rebel against our Heavenly Father, making our hearts heavy with fear, guilt, and shame. 
Our bodies are weary with sickness, disease, and death. Earth is afflicted with storms, calamities, and disasters. Even worse, sin has separated us from God, causing a permanent divide, a miserable separation called hell. The fallout of sin has been catastrophic. It's inescapable with no way to fix it, leaving us all to wonder, is there any hope? The love that prompted God to create us also prompted Him to send a Savior who would set every Savior's birth, life, and death. Everything in the Bible points to this rescuer. Almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to earth as God the Son to fulfill the promise. He was born miraculously, as His mother was a virgin. Just like us, Jesus grew up and experienced life on earth. But unlike us, Jesus never sinned and always obeyed the Father. When Jesus was in his 30s, he began teaching all around Israel, pointing people to God's kingdom and performing many miracles. After a few years, he was wrongly accused and sentenced to an agonizing death on a cross. Jesus lovingly gave up his perfect life as a sacrifice to pay for the sins of mankind. He died a perfect death, taking our place the innocent for the guilty. But the grave couldn't hold Jesus. Three days later, God brought Jesus to life again. Jesus defeated sin by dying on the cross and defeated death by rising from the dead. Today, Jesus sits at God's right hand as king and judge over all creation. This is the story of rescue God has authored. He invites us, through repentance and faith, to make his story of rescue the one we trust in and live from. When we ditch or hold, for everyone who trusts in Jesus alone for rescue, God has promised to restore your heart and set you free from sin's hold. Because God is loving, kind, merciful, forgiving, tender-hearted, and true. God has also promised to make all things new. One day, there will be a new heaven and a new earth, forever free from sin. Everything that causes pain and sadness will be gone. God has also promised to be with us forever. The moment you trust in Jesus, your relationship with God is restored because Jesus has closed the divide sin caused. Getting to know this all-loving God starts today and continues forever. For God's story never ends. You can make God's story the foundation of your life even now by admitting your need for God's rescue, asking forgiveness for your sin, trusting in Jesus Christ alone to rescue you, following Jesus in faith from this moment on. This is God's story. Will you make it yours? And it's so much bigger than a Sunday morning church service, y'all. Some of us think, you know, a relationship with God, eternity with God is like one unending church service. Man, that doesn't sound like heaven to me, all right? Um, it sounds more like another place. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it, this, it's so much bigger than 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 what we've thought about. It's a story that God is writing that he invites us into.
It's, it's creation. The fact that God has created us to know him and to love him and to worship him and be in relationship with him. But our sin gets in the way. The fall, our fallenness, our brokenness separates us from God. And yet, in his great love for us, he has sent a rescuer. He has sent a redeemer. He has sent Jesus to rescue us. And there is a happily ever after that we can be made new and everything will be restored again. In fact, when you look at the story of the gospel, it starts with God creating everything and it's, you know the setting for that? It was in a garden, right? Everything was as God intended it, but then the fall happened. Jesus came, rescued, and all the whole story, all of creation ends with what we would call the restoration, or some would call it the new creation. In other words, it moves from creation to new creation. It moves from the garden thing as he originally intended it to be. Our sin could not break and stop the story of God. And I want you to see in Acts chapter 17, I just want you to turn there. Uh, how many of you all have your Bible? Anybody have your Bible with you? All right, good, good, good. I love it, I love it. Bible revival, right? Okay, so let me hear you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 17. Uh, I, wanna, I wanna check out a, a quick passage of scripture here where we have the Apostle Paul. He is, he is, he is at Mars Hill or the Areopagus in this, this place where these intellectual, philosophical men are, are debating and, and Paul comes onto the scene here in Athens and, and, and these these men are religious, but they, they worship what they would call an unknown God. And I want you to see how, how Paul begins to take this group of people who are unfamiliar with the God of the Bible, the God of the Jews, and he begins to tell the story. Okay, so in Acts chapter 17, starting in verse number 22, it says, So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as these, these are religious people, but they don't, really don't know who or what they're worshiping. It's an unknown God. And so Paul says, let me make this unknown God known to you. All right. So he begins to tell the story. And, and a lot of times, you know, let me, let me bring it to this. Um, when, when I came to Christ... Uh, I, I didn't know who God was. I didn't know who Jesus was. And a lot of times the, the story began with, you are a sinner, right? And you need a savior, which is very true, right? It is very true. But what was left out, okay, those, that was just the middle of the story. What was left out was there is this incredible, loving, gracious, powerful God who created you and has a plan for you and loves you. But your sin got in the way, is in the way. And so he came to redeem you and he wants to make you new and he wants to live within you and walk within you and transform your life. And so Paul, here he comes again into this, this, this group of people and he begins to lay out the story, starting in verse number 24. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it. Okay, you see where he's starting? Where's he starting? Creation, right? The God who made the, heaven, uh, who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself, and he made from one man, again, he's, he's, he's tracing it back to creation, 
He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet, he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said. So he, he, he quotes their own poets, for we are indeed his offspring. Verse 29, being then God's offspring or his creation here, he says, we, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. In verse 30, he says this, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to what? Repent. Why do all men need to repent? Because all men are what? Sinners. And he's tracing back this God who created us, the Lord of heaven and earth. And, and yet there's these times of ignorance when we in our sin have, 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 have turned up our nose at God. And he says, God has overlooked those times, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. He's talking about the fall, right? Because he has fixed a day on which he has appointed and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Who is this man he's talking about? Jesus, right? The rescuer. Amen? And so he, he talks about creation, this God who created everything. That man, we, we need to repent because of our sin, because of the fall. But then he begins to talk about the rescuer. Is there any hope? And he says, there was a man who died and was raised again for you. And, and he begins to move towards this restoration, part four of the story, and he, he kind of gets interrupted, and we won't move past this, because what happens is those who are listening to him, some mocked him for what he was saying because he was talking about resurrection, raising men from the dead, and they begin to, to turn him off. It says that some, um, some of them said, hey, we want to hear more. And then there were some that believed and began to follow at that point, which is always the response to the gospel. Some mock and say, whatever, that's, that's fake news, right? That's not good news. That's fake. Some say, I want to hear some more. I've never heard about this. And then some will believe and put their faith in Christ. But what Paul does here is he begins to walk through the gospel story, and the reason that Paul told this story from beginning and is working towards the end is because the story he was, was telling. Uh, J.D. Greer, pastor and author, he says this about this story. That's what happens when you meet God in the story of Jesus. You get swept up into a story of such cosmic drama and beauty that you are forever changed your behavior is radically altered because you've seen and tasted something from a completely different world. And he kind of echoes the thoughts of C.S. Lewis. If you're familiar with C.S. Lewis, a great writer and, and theologian, um, he, he, he talked about that if, if your heart desires something that seems otherworldly, it's, it's because we were made for another world. <laughs> we were made for a different story. And so, y'all, if we're going to put first things first, we've got to understand that this is, there is a bigger story that we're being called into. It's the gospel story. But let's talk also about our story, because we've got to know our own story. 
And so I want to ask you for a minute to think about your own story. Because our stories kind of mimic this, this four-part story, all right? Every one of us has a creation story, an origin story, if you will. Okay, a background. Some of you have a background being raised in, um, in a home where, moral home, but no mention of, of Jesus whatsoever. Maybe you grew up in a religious home. Maybe for some of you, that turned you away from God. Honestly, maybe it turned you away from God. There were so many regulations and rules and outward expectations that, man, it sent you away from God. Maybe some of you grew up in a God-fearing home and you love God today because of, of that. We all have this kind of creation story. But then every single one of us deals with the fall. Every single one of us wrestles with sin in our life, right? We all deal with that. We all experience the, the effects of sin. But for some of us, there was a turning point in our story. Ours is a story of rescue, right? For some of us, we put our faith in Jesus who rescued us, who forgave us of our sin, who began to make us into this new creation that follows after Jesus and that grows in our relationship with him. And the rest of our story until the day that we go to be with Jesus is a story of restoration, of God making all things new, where he's growing us more and more into the image and the likeness of Christ. And he's changing us. Amen? And this is our story. So I want to ask you this morning, what is your story? Where do you find yourself in the story? Has there been a turning point? Because for some of us in our life, where we've turned from our sin, where we've turned from our own way of living and turned to the Savior, where we've turned ourselves over to Jesus, has there been a point of rescue in our lives? That is the question where we've put our faith in, in Jesus. Let me share you, with you a couple a couple of gospel stories from the scriptures, right? John chapter 9, a really simple story. But I want, I want you to see this. A man who was born blind, okay? And, and Jesus came and he healed him. He gave him his sight back. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders of that day who did not believe Jesus to be God, and they questioned this, this miraculous healing, all right? And they were questioning the, the person of Jesus. In John chapter 9, verse 24, it says, that for the second time they called the man who had been blind and they said to him, give, God, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. In other words, they're saying, okay, you were blind, but now you can see. Now you're, you're able to see. You have vision. Okay, give God the glory. We know this guy, Jesus, is not God. We know he's a sinner. And so tell us the real story. What really happened? Here is the gospel story of this, this man who was born blind. Verse 25, he answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. Okay, I don't know this blind. Now I what? See. Okay, so, so here is the testimony. Here is the story of this man. Here's his gospel story, okay? My birth, my creation, I was born blind. Okay, um, I, I could not see, but I met a man named Jesus, Here's all I know now, is now I can, what? See. Here's who I was. I met Jesus. Now this is who I am. This is my life. Here's my life, BC, before Christ. I met Jesus. Rescue, this point of rescue happened in my life. Now I can see, praise God, right? This was his story. 
Is that your story? Is your story that this is who I was, far from God, dead in my sin, but you know what happened? I met Jesus, and now I can see. Now I have a life. Now I experience freedom and fullness of life. Acts chapter 26, we're not going to look at this, this whole chapter, but what you see in Acts 26 is Paul has been arrested. He's been brought before this Roman ruler, King Agrippa, and he begins in Acts 26 to tell his story. And if you're familiar with the story of, of Paul, it's an amazing story, right? His name was Saul, and he begins to walk Jew. I was a Pharisee, and, and these followers of Jesus, man, I, was, I persecuted them. And I chased them down, I hunted them down, and was part of the murder of followers of Jesus. But then something happened. There was a turning point in my life where, quite literally, Jesus intersected my path, right? And he blinded me. He put me on my back. He put me on my knees. And you know what he did? He revealed himself to me. And he opened my eyes and he changed me. He changed me forever. And now who I am today, you know who I am now, Paul says, is now I am obedient to that God who called me. And now what I do is I preach this good news to everyone, everywhere. I preach the forgiveness of our sins through faith in Jesus. And this is who I am. Why? Because God changed my life through the person and the work of Jesus. Amen? This was who I was. But praise God, that's not who I am. Because the rescuer has intervened in my life. And I've got to ask you today, is that your story? Because if first things are going to be first, if they get the gospel cannot be just this big story that's far off or that's in a book that's distant from us. It's got to become our story that God created us and loves us and has a plan for us and our sin is in the way, but God intervened through the person and the work of Jesus who came for us to rescue and redeem us. And we've given him our life and he's changed it and he is forever changing it. This is our story. And if first things are going to be first, we've got to make sure that that story is, is our story. And, and maybe this morning, that's not your story. You've never heard that, that message and received it and had a turning point where you've turned away from the, the road you were going down to the road that God is calling you to, to the person of Jesus. I want you to pay attention to, to one of the things that Paul said in that, that story he told, Acts 26, verse 18, that God, when he intervened and he changed his life, God said, I'm sending you to the Gentiles. I'm sending you to the people outside of, of God, the people of God. And this is what I'm sending you to do, Paul. Acts 26, verse 18, he says, I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified or set apart by faith in me. This is what turned his life around. This is what turns our lives around, is faith in Christ 
And through that, we receive forgiveness of sins. And so listen, maybe you're here this morning and you have never had that turning point in your life. What you need to do is not start coming to church every single week, not start giving your money, not start doing a bunch of religious things. What you need to do to receive forgiveness of sins is to put your faith in Jesus and in him alone. And that is it. That is it. Because he is the author of our salvation. He is the author of our faith. He is the author of life. He is the one writing the story and calling us up into it. All we have to do is receive and believe and step into that story. Amen. This is what he's calling us into. It's so much bigger than just a church on a Sunday morning. It is a story, it is this grand narrative. And so let me bring this all kind of to a head this morning. We gotta know the gospel of a bigger story. We have got to live as part of a bigger story because here's what happens for all of us, and particularly those of us who, who claim Jesus as our savior. We, we begin to live our life and we get so caught up in our life and we get caught up in the details of our life and what happens is we begin to make our story the dominant or the only storyline for which we live. We make our lives and our story the biggest story. And we make ourselves the central character in that story. And we, we get so caught up. And some of you are there right now. The stuff that you're going through, the stuff you're dealing with, you are caught up in one line of one paragraph of one chapter of your story and you think that is the big story and it's dominating your life and it's dominating your identity. And I'm telling you, the worst way that you and I can live is to, is to invite God into our story as if our story is the biggest thing. It is not. His story is the biggest story that you and I can live is this story in which we fit God into our story and we make ourselves the central character. And I am sorry to break it to you, but a story with you as the central character is not a good story. <laughs> Amen? A story with me at the center of the story is not a big story. I am just a subplot in the bigger story of God. And some of us live as followers of Jesus, and we, we are living out this story, and we say, hey, God, hey, why don't you come into my story? Why don't you be a part of my story? As part of my story, I'm going to go to church on Sunday. And as a part of my story, I'm going to give a little bit. And as a part of my story, I'm going to serve a little bit. Rather than saying, God, you have called me into this story. And it is your story. And you are the main character. And my life revolves around you and who you are and all that you have done for me. And I'm not going to live for this little story of my life. I'm going to live into this big story that you are writing and calling me up into. Amen? Man, let's stop living for the smaller story of our life. Let's put first things first, the gospel story, the story of, of God. 
Philippians chapter 2. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And he begins to tell how, how Jesus gave up his life. He considered our lives more significant than his own, and he laid his life down. And here's what Paul is saying. Don't live as if your story is the only one that matters. The stories around you, the people around you, their stories matter. And God is calling us all up into this bigger story. We were made to fit into his story. Here, here's the bottom line this morning. We are all made, or we are all part of a bigger story. The gospel story. We are all part of a bigger story, the gospel story. Colossians 1, again, another passage I know I go to this so often, but Paul says in Colossians 1, 15 to 18, speaking of Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. That he might be first. That he might be central. You know what Paul is saying? The story is not about you. The story is not about me. The story is about God. The story is about Jesus, the person and the work of Jesus. John 3.30, again, this, this passage that we looked at a couple weeks ago. He must what? Increase, but I must decrease. His story must increase. My story must decrease. His story has to be first, and my story needs to fit into his story. We join him in what he is doing. We come alongside God, and we don't call him to come alongside of, of us. We step into his story. So let me say this kind of as we close. Here's the thing about a great story. Here's the thing about a great story is that great stories get told more than once, right? A great story gets told and retold. Okay, any of you all have a story that you share maybe with your kids and with friends and, and you share that story over and over again? I say all the time and they can like finish it for, for us. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's why? It's because a great story has to be told and told and retold and retold, right? You can't just share it once. A great story gets watched and rewatched. Any of you all have a favorite movie that you like you watch over and over like a hundred times? Princess Bride is, is mine, okay, one of mine that I watch over and over. Doesn't matter how many years later the film is, it's still, like it's still a great story. And so it gets watched and rewatched. And a great story moves you. And it moves you to share it with others, right? When you see a good movie, when you read a good book, when you watch a great television show, you don't just go, man, that was great. That was awesome. You tell somebody, right? Man, you've got to see this, this movie. You've got to check out this show. You've got to read this book. It's incredible. 
here's my fear for me and for all of us. Is, is sharing our faith is, is difficult as it is. But for many of us, maybe the reason that we have a difficult time sharing our story, talking about the story of God, is because that story no longer moves us. A lot of good stuff, or being a good person. And we've forgotten the old, old story. It's this amazing story that God is writing, and it's not about us, but the glorious thing is he calls us up into this story to play a part in it. We don't just casually observe or watch or sit on the couch. Man, he calls us up into the story. And here's the amazing thing about the story of God is that when we take the story and we don't just live into it, but we share it, we pass it on, is it moves from being just a good story that's told or watched or shown one time, and it moves from being a story to being an epic, an epic saga that keeps going, that keeps sweeping people up into it. And when you and I share that story, when we share the story of what God has done in our life, that we were blind, we met Jesus, but now we see, and it sweeps other people up into the story. It goes from just being just a regular good story to being an epic saga that calls other people up into it, that keeps going and going and going until happily ever after to this bigger story and that it moves us so much that we pass it on, that we share it, that we call others up into this story. Man, invite people to church, invite people to, to Super Sunday Showdown, all of this stuff, but don't miss the big picture, that it's all about this story that God has called us to be a part of, amen. It is the best story ever. And Father God, this morning, I wanna thank you that you are the author of life and you are the author of salvation. You are the author of our faith. And for, for many of us in this room, God, you have, you have rescued us, you have redeemed us, you've brought us to a turning point in our life where we've, we've turned to you and we've turned over all of our stuff and our baggage and our brokenness and our sin. And in doing so and putting our faith in you, you have rescued us. You have saved us, you have forgiven us, you have given us power over our sin. And God, you've changed everything for us. And God, would you, would you move us Remind us of this great story that you're writing in our lives, small part of this, the, the big story you're writing. But God, for those who may be in this room today that have never had that turning point, that have never had that, that, that Damascus Road experience that Paul had where you revealed yourself to him, maybe you've never, uh, maybe they've never had their sight, their eyes open, but maybe today is that day, God where you're revealing yourself to them. God, I pray that you would help them in the quietness of this morning, of this space here this morning, that they would open their hearts up to you, 
God, that you would open their eyes, that they would give their hearts to you today by a simple act of faith, just saying, God, I, I don't get all this. I, I, don't, I don't know much about Jesus, but here's what I know. That you're calling me this morning, that you're speaking to my heart, and I wanna see for the first time. And so God, I pray that even this morning you would call people to yourself. But God, for every other one of us, God, that you've redeemed us, you've, you've pulled us up in your story. God, would you continue to move us by that incredible story? Help us to live as part of that story and help us to pass it on so that others could be swept up into the... Amen. Would you stand as we worship?